You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. My guest today is Lisa and she is the founder and CEO of Sahajan. Lisa, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, my pleasure. It's really fun to join you. All right. So today you're sitting in your office somewhere in Toronto, which by the way, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but we're on a hot streak of like Toronto women entrepreneurs in like the, I don't even know what the industry is, but there's a really interesting blend of like, we've had probably four or five consecutive founders, which is really cool. I don't know. Is that a big scene up in Toronto? You know what? I wouldn't have thought so, but I've come to the conclusion that the answer to that question is yes. Because when I started in this, I didn't come from beauty. And so I didn't know anybody and I didn't even know where to start. And now fast forward in time, a few years, I hosted an event. I was in the Sephora Accelerator program and we hosted an event a year or two ago and just basically blanket through a number of brands, socials said there's this event happening in Toronto and it was packed and they were all beauty founders. I was pretty amazed. And since then, there's a number of us who like get together for drinks and share ideas and it's pretty cool. How helpful is that? Because I know even for me as a marketer, I got to go out and be talking to other people who are doing the same thing I'm doing. How helpful is it for you, like maybe advice for earlier entrepreneurs, like in building that up and building that circle? Oh my God. It's, I would say, I often get asked the question, like, what's the one piece of advice you'd give someone starting a business? And my answer is always the same. And it's like, shore up the right team around you to get it done and to help you and to support you and to advise you. And that can look like advisors and supporters and blah, 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 you know, legal people. But that network, I think, is incredibly important. And one of the things I'm most grateful for is that network. And I mentioned the Sephora Accelerator that gave me a very specific beauty-focused network, which for the most part tends toward the US, which is great because for those of us in Canada who are running beauty businesses, majority of us are focused on the US and Canada. And so it feels like one market to us. So to have that knowledge base is, is incredibly important. And then locally, it's just somebody who can like, shortcut a lot of decisions. It could be a decision like, where do I get a tube? Don't work with that manufacturer. Do this, do that. But also to, you know, I know to some of the things we're going to be talking about, like some of my quickest thoughts around e-com have come from other founders. And had I not had that, I would have been trying to sift through the internet to find those answers. And what you realize, I have a very, very close friend who's quite senior in e-com at a very large retailer. And he is amazing and he gives me tons of advice. But even he one day was like, I think my advice doesn't work on you (laughs) because, you know, my perspective is big brand, big business, already established name. Here's what you do to turn on the e-com engine. Whereas when you talk to a founder who's started something from scratch, they're kind of like, yeah, nobody had ever heard of this brand. And these are the critical things that I did. Whereas when you're a big brand or you're incredibly well-funded, your tactics are different. Your strategies are different. So I would say heavily, heavily, heavily focus on your network. So it's great advice. Have that network of peers to just shortcut. Mm -hmm. Like you have to make a million decisions as an entrepreneur every day anyway. Mm -hmm. You can shortcut them by saying, oh yeah, work with this agency or work with this person. Mm -hmm. And you have that trust. That's great. Mm -hmm. Just because you mentioned though, I am curious, what are some of the things, you don't have to like share the private advice you get from this friend or whatever, but I'm just curious, like what are some of the things that he has seen work at the big scale that you've Mm -hmm. tried and don't work where you're at? Oh my God, where do we start? 
I would say the biggest <laughs> was just general, what I'm going to call like Facebook, Instagram ads. So I remember sitting down, like, again, like he's a very, very big retailer. He was able to help me get some freelancers together, put together a bit of a marketing strategy. So we're going to flip up some ads and here's what our target is, is going to be on return on ad spend. And every single person was like, we should be targeting, let's say, a four to one ROAS. So you spend $1, you're going to make $4 back. And Oh, it never happened, you know, in the beginning. And they were all looking at it like, huh, when we do that, like we get a 10 to one and we get a this. And it was all like these like magical numbers. And this was a few years ago. So I'm dating myself here, but this was, I think I would say three years ago when we started this. And one of the biggest pieces of learning is at the time, like people, you know, now there's, you know, I probably get an email every day from someone who's like, I'm a digital marketer and I took X business and turned it from $1,000 in sales to $28,000 in sales overnight. Three years ago, there weren't that many people doing that. And so there was this inherent belief by everybody who I met who was senior in e-com that was just like, it's just a matter of spending the money. Like, it's just a matter of spending money. If you have $5,000 to spend, I'm going to turn it into 20. If you have $10,000 to spend, I'm going to turn it into 40. You know, my response to everybody now is like, yeah, good luck, because that's not how it works with a small brand and a brand that's less established. And there's so many questions, whether it be like the lifetime value of a customer and all these things that nobody was asking because they thought it was so easy to acquire a customer. I'm so yeah. happy you went into this. This is exactly why we want to focus on these types of conversations. Like we talk about this all the time, like with our customer base, there's a lot of like D2C Twitter, right? There's like advice on D2C Twitter right. where people are like, all they do is talk in CAC and ROAS and LTV and like that stuff is great and very important. But if business was as easy as a spreadsheet, then everybody would be really good at it and companies would never fail. Whereas like, yeah, of course things matter. Like what if you have no brand and recognition in the market and Mm. nobody knows who you are or your products or you have no social proof or reviews or testimonials or the experience isn't right. There's like a million different factors into what makes that big company able to just press a button and, mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah, we're going to get five to one spend on this channel where if you're earlier, even still, there's brands that are doing one, two, three, four, five, ten million $10 million in sales mm-hmm. that don't have that down to a science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing to realize is people will sell you this sort of idea that it's just about having money. But if you have money, when it comes to digital, I'm not saying in general, but when you have money to spend on digital, you can exponentially turn that into something else. And I would argue that that's not true. And what I would often ask people, because we're in skincare is, you know, is this also industry specific? And they would say, no, 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 it's just money. And I was always like, really? Because I personally would never buy, I'm a Luddite, so I'm not my target customer on e-com because I'm devastated with COVID that I can't go try on a swimsuit. Every time I look at a website, I'm like, that swimsuit looks good, but I'm not going to buy it. My gut instinct was like, who buys skincare? online. And there is still an incredible amount of people, but with something like skincare, it takes six weeks sometimes to see results. It's not an overnight. Whereas when you put on lipstick, you can see what the color looks like. You know, if you have three different pictures of a girl with lipstick color on, you see it. If it's clothes, you see what it looks like. And if it's on a real model, then you even more so see what it looks like. And so people don't explain those nuances. And I think as a founder, you have to dig into the nuances or everything's just about like, don't worry, do you have $10,000, 20, 30, 40? I'll just grow. From a marketing perspective for your brand now, like where did you start? Did you bootstrap? Did you have money raised? Did you go right into this spend on Facebook strategy? No. So I bootstrapped. We launched 
I first started looking for retail. Partially, again, if you think of my behavior, I was like, people need to be able to buy this at stores. And I had a really amazing advisor who also felt the same way. So we started looking at retail. We had the site, but it wasn't generating you know, a ton. And it was actually through meeting a colleague through the Sephora Accelerator that was like, you need to look to Facebook and Instagram. It was like, she blew my mind. I was like, what? Witchcraft are you talking about? And that was when I started the Facebook and Instagram journey. And there was a lot of learning there, but it was all done on bootstrap dollars. We mentioned that I live in Toronto. Toronto has something called the Business Development Bank of Canada. So it is considered a crown corporation. And by that, it means that it's government funded. It's nuanced in Canada, but it's a bank whose sole focus is growing entrepreneurs in Canada. So they have a debt arm, a VC arm, an advisory arm. They kind of function like a bank, also like a consulting firm. And so I had sought some debt from them, but it was all my cash. So it's stressful. (laughs) Okay. So that's even better though, because it's more realistic. It's like, oh, you're going to feel that burn of not making back the ROAS target. That's actual cash. That's not venture dollars. That's, you know, you have a little bit of a well. Working capital, right? And I'm can tell you for any of your listeners, like I'm not independently wealthy. So when you burn through working capital, it's critical. And it's hard because you keep reading these articles like in COVID, e-coms, you know, only continuing to blow up, but it's starting to learn the nuance. And I think it's when I started to learn the nuance, what I call the nuance of it, that's when it started to make sense to me. But I really had to do that. I think if you leave it to an agency to drive your strategy forward and they take the authority position in and of itself. Because it's not their own dollars and they're also doing it often not with either industry understanding or startup understanding. You need to kind of drive that yourself. What did you figure out after that? I'm sure today, just going to your site, I think it's obvious that you know what you're doing from a marketing perspective today. What was the path to get there? Like, did you have a sense for like, hey, these are the channels we want to go after. This is how we're going to do it. I really want to, you know, start a newsletter, a blog or whatever. Like, how did you approach marketing as a bootstrap founder? So it's really hard as a bootstrap founder because I have an MBA, which you can argue helps or hinders. I worked in big corporate pharma where like we had budgets just for everybody had their own pads of paper with their name on it. (laughs) You know, my marketing sort of principled hat is in one place, but then the realistic hat is another. And I think the hard part when you're a bootstrapped business is you instantaneously just want sales and you forget that a marketing budget is also to grow awareness, that you're brand building. And you have to, at some point, decide, I think, when you're starting to put together how much money you're going to spend, whether it's during the year or on a monthly basis, like how much am I willing to call brand building and how much am I willing to call direct conversion? Wait, can I stop you right there? Because I want to go deeper on that. What you said is really important and I think will be missed by a lot of people is you intentionally carved out this is budget that is for brand building. Can you talk about it a little bit more? Because I, hey, I get what you're saying, Lisa, but how do I measure that? How do I know if it's working? Like, can you just talk to the listeners mm-hmm. about how to make the case and why you need to be thinking about your marketing budget is not just direct response and how do you handle that? Yeah. So I would say, what I would say is two things is think about it in terms of any business that you're exposed to, right? I don't know why this is in my head, but when I drove to the office today, I saw a big sign for Crave, which is, I think, some frozen food. I think from a very, very big company, probably. But why do they put billboards up? Not because I'm necessarily going to drive to the store today and buy it, but because they're teaching me that this exists. And so the next time I go to the grocery store, maybe I buy it, maybe I don't. But it continues to reinforce to me that this is available. So when I do it, there's a few things. So I know we're talking about e-commerce, but I consider a number of things that we do to be brand building. So I'm on TV shopping. So if you've ever 
bought anything from QVC or HSN, you know, in Canada, we have the shopping channel. I do TV shopping, which is a revenue generator, but certainly not at the best margins because it's a lot of you bundle things, you put things on discount, today's value only, those kinds of things. But why does that become incredibly important? One, it helps me build an audience across Canada, particularly in places that I might not be able to touch or have exposure to that slowly, you know, become engaged with the brand and they may come back to the shopping channel or they may come back to our site, but they become part of the brand. And then when I think about it in terms of, you know, online specifically, one of the things we did and we continue to test is, um, you know, is doing things like having, so we have a video now on the site that we, we posted last year and it's basically my story. Why did I start this company? Why am I passionate about it? Why did I feel, I, you know, I have a very mission-driven reason for starting the skincare business. Like, you know, I have a very strong belief system against it. And I, I realized in talking to customers and talking to people that that's one of the reasons that people came into the brand. It isn't just that they're like, oh, like we have our best seller, which, you know, we did clinicals on. So it minimizes fine lines in six weeks. And it's amazing if your skin is like dry, red, dehydrated. It's this amazing, it's called our Nourish Face Cream. It's incredible. So some people buy it for that. Some people buy it because they hear me talking about it and they're like, oh, you know, I just love the reason or I love that. You know, one of the reasons I got into clean beauty is because I saw my daughter who was almost three. We talked about little kids before this, you know, using my skincare. And so being able to share that story, just like I would at an event when I'm on a panel or just like I would on the shopping channel became, I think, very important on digital. And so we put that on the site. We've done, you know, ad campaigns where again, it's not about, you know, we look to see how many people are clicking obviously and are, are curious about the site, but we do that because I want people to know that there's a person behind this brand. I want people to see the brand and recognize it. I want people to feel, you know, to, to learn about the brand. It's kind of, we, we focus so much on shop now, but, you know, we need to focus a little bit on, you know, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not in this, you know, there's, I've really come to appreciate that there's certain brands that exist that are just like, I'm going to milk the market for this year with whatever it is that I'm selling this, you know, mala bead, this swimsuit, this watch. I'm probably not going to be around next year, but that's all I'm looking to do. But if you're looking to drive a brand, it's a longer term investment. So I would say if you're carving it out, like on digital, it could be showing videos, it could be showing uh, reviews, it could be showing things that just get people into, huh, okay, I'm curious, you know, tell me more or follow me, right? Like follow us or whatever it is, just to really think about your brand as a community. Like I, um, I was one of the, I, as I told you, I'm a Luddite. I'm usually a late person to get on anything. Except I was a very, very early consumer to Lululemon when they only had one store in Vancouver. And I had a girlfriend who lived in Vancouver who would actually like walk and buy stuff from me. And why? Because I was a fitness instructor at the time. I grew up in a family that did yoga at home. Um, it was like they took my be- my beliefs and my experiences and everything that I loved, but wasn't yet fully popularized and they sold it. But you know, back then, so I'm going to tell you something really silly. This is like, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but this is many years ago. And um, I would go on their site because at then there was no online shopping, but they still had a website and I downloaded their um, screensavers. And at my, so I used to work at J&J in their biotech division and it was my screensaver. And I had the screensaver, this woman doing a backbend on a mountain. 
And this was like before Instagram, before social media existed, before any of that existed. And it was always my screensaver. And I would be doing these big corporate presentations and talking so much. And my screensaver would come up and people would be like, what is that? And I would say, oh my God, it's a store in Vancouver. I love it. And she's doing yoga. Like it was kind of early days, right? For, for what we know now, like everybody was like standing on a mountain taking a picture of themselves. But why did they do that? Why did they give me the screensavers? Because they wanted, me to, they wanted to bring me into the life, right? And, yeah. and I think we need to go back to first principles, right? We need to bring people into the life. We need to bring people into the brand. Well, that, 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 they do such a good job. I mean, probably more so than in the early days, but like of actually knowing the customer, right? Like there's probably some big, well, they weren't super big then. There's probably some Lululemon meeting that was like, all right, our customer, our dream customer, her name is Lisa. Mm-hmm. She's in big pharma, you know, mm-hmm. she wants to have a side hustle. She's active, you know, she has mm-hmm. young kids. Like they, they thought of you, that is, that is you. And I think the cool, the, the coolest part about your brand, which I think to me as a marketer is the coolest part about e-com is that your story is the center of that, right? Like mm-hmm. your story is, you don't have to, yes, you probably did write a script for your bit, for your video, but like, Hey, we need a, we need, and, and if you go to your site, like, and we'll put the link in the show notes and everything, but like the video is probably, 50% of the real estate on, on the homepage and your pictures here multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, this is me. I, here's why I started this company. Right. And like, I think mm-hmm. that's the most important ingredient in marketing today where everybody wants to buy from brands that they know, like, and trust. And now people know, like, and trust you Where in the beginning. If you just put up ads with your face on it, you know, however, probably didn't have your face on it, but if you just put up ads trying to mm-hmm. re- get your four to one row ads, that's why that doesn't work. But now people know you, they know your story, they mm-hmm. see you, you know, they see themselves in you and the brand and that's why they want to be part of that. So I love, I-, I wanted you to dig into that because I think like people, people miss that. We just, mm-hmm. oh, marketing is, especially in e-commerce, mar- what is marketing? Marketing is Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And right. it's spend, it's spend. Like it's, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You go, go to the, go to the Facebook store and buy some customers. Right. And, uh-huh. and like, they're going to go into some automated funnel and get your welcome series and blah. And like, that's how you run a business. Mm-hmm. No, this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are, okay. So what are like, I think it's obvious what your, what your core values are as a brand, but like, what are, what are the mark? Are, are you doing like one-off marketing things? Do you like, what are some of the kind of rhythms that you have? Do you have like, Hey, twice a month we do an offer. Uh, we have this for, for first time shoppers. Like what are some of the kind of, um, things that are always running now in marketing? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what, uh, I didn't appreciate about just even all of this is that it would be constantly a continuum of testing and changing. So in some ways I thought we would be able to say like, we're going to do two offers a month, you know, whatever, whatever the rhythm is that we're going to establish it and it's going to be done. And I could tie it in a bow and be like, it's, you know, it's done. And we're constantly testing new things. Um, so, you know, I am a privy customer. Yay. Um, so, what, you know, one of the things we do is we constantly have email capture. And on your, first, uh, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. And in beauty, one of the things I also, and so I recommend this to anybody, is also you have to just decide what your brand is and then look at the rhythm of what happens within your brand space. So one of the things I learned early on from some very senior beauty people is like, typically in beauty, you don't do these like huge discounts. You don't do like 40% off unless you're discontinuing something, unless you've changed the packaging. You don't do these like sweeping, sweeping discounts because it starts to chip away at the brand. And you, what I also realize is it's, you know, also chips away at your margins, but you, you've got to go with this, with the flow of what is realistic in terms of the brand that you're creating. And 
we sunk a, I have a, a lot invested into the formulas. So unfortunately or unfortunately, fortunately for the customer, unfortunately for me, sometimes my cost of goods is a little bit higher than the ratio should be, but I'm okay with that. But so the, we always have, so we always have 10% off. And to me, that's uh, a, an e, a good way to bring people in. They feel they are getting a discount, but you know, it's, it's not like, again, we're, we're throwing, we're throwing this away and we're throwing this against the wall. Um, so that's one thing that we do that's really important. One of the newest things that we've done, and it took me a little while to do this, is we've just launched bundles. And so um, is that we're starting to bundle products and say, okay, if you get this bundle or this ritual or whatever it is, you know, here's what the inevitable discount is going to be. And what I love about the bundles, it helps us understand. I love the bundles for a few reasons. One is we purposely do it with uh, some sort of ritual in mind. So it could be, you know, we have one called the Goddess Glow right now, which is doing well, but it's, you know, you want a mask, you want to do a beauty oil, it's perfect for summer. We've, you know, got some hair ties in there and it's a great way to get, if you want a quick and easy, I need to get my glow on, this is what you're going to be able to use. And it offers some value to the customer because they are getting a discount by getting the bundle. But in giving them the bundle, they're also trying the products in a sequenced way that I feel comfortable that I know they're going to get results. Because if I just slapped a bunch of products together and they're like, well, why am I using a hair oil? And it, you know, they, there's no, there's no story. There's no, and they're not going to, they're not going to turn around and be like, there's, I, I didn't see anything from that. So it's like, it's like a recipe. You have cleanse, tone and glow, goddess glow, the bliss kit. These are like, you're, you, you know, people want prescriptions, right? You they want, want to, yeah. And they're intense. There's intent behind them. Like the bliss kit is our ritual body oil and our nurture hair oil. And why, right? So the brand is based in Ayurveda. Ayurveda is this 5,000-year-old science from ancient India, which I quite believe in, and, you know, is really an inspiration and part of my lifestyle. But there's this beautiful saying in Ayurveda that there's no greater act of self-care than anointing oneself with oils from head to toe. So in the bliss kit, you get, you get that. You get awesome. the hair oil. Your, mar- like, your yeah. marketing is like built in. Like if you have the yeah. story, it's, it's built in. That's it that is. Is not marketing. It's the story behind that. It's a story. And I think we, we have to remember, we, I think I owe it. Like, I feel like anytime somebody buys something, I feel very strongly that they're taking a chance on us, right? I'm not L'Oreal. I'm not, let's say, Lauder. They're really saying, I, I've chosen to believe or I've chosen to take the risk that I believe. And so I owe them something, not just really good product. I owe them the sensibility and the thoughtful process behind it. So when you come up, like when, when you come up with a new bundle, mm-hmm then what? Like, did you send an email to your list? Did you make a video for it? Like, how do you actually roll that out? Because I'm sure you, you do that and you see a spike on, on the first couple of days after. Absolutely. So we send it out by email. We do it on social. So by social, I mean, we do it on Facebook. We do it on Instagram. We do it on Instagram stories um, with swipe up features and, the, and those types of things. So we see an immediate spike and then the bundle sits. And because bundles is fairly new, what I'd like to see over time is is, and I'd like to become better, even stronger with data. But what I'd like to see over time is one, us get a better sense of which bundles flow, but also what's the cadence for changing bundles. Cause as we grow the product line, I think we should, we should switch it up. We should switch it up with routines and seasons. Um, but that we can really start to understand how we can activate some of this stuff. Okay. Since you mentioned it, who does, who does your ads? Do your ads in-house or do you have agency? I have, 
it's awesome. like I've tried every <laughs> every kind of formula. Right now, uh, I'm working with what I, I guess I would call like a freelancer or a freelance agency. It's Got someone it. who's like an N of one. But we've actually determined together that, um, you know, based on the way things are growing, we either at some point, I'm going to have to build a team internally or we're going to have to tap into more people because you need somebody with, because you realize that expertise is different, right? You can have a 360 marketer, but to actually execute on that, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. You, to somebody who's in an, who uh, is different than somebody who's in a Facebook ads account all day and knows. Yeah. Knows versus somebody who's in a Google ad account. Right. So those are, those are different skill sets. Uh, okay. What about on the email side? What do you use for email and who does that? So we do that internally. Um, and we use campaign monitor and obviously we're, we're capturing email through privy. We have some other mechanisms to capture email. We tend to what I've really, so again, we go back to, we talked about marketing earlier. Uh, what I've been trying to do and we're going to add on a blog is to have, to have it be like at, at a specific time, we're telling a story and we're telling that story everywhere. So this week, for example, we're telling the story of our radiant serum and why, because again, you're going to hear the word glow a lot, which is skincare, but you know, it's summertime. Again, people want their glow. They want results. Our serum has clinical results. So what does that look like? We sent an email that says the science of our serum and it gives people the ingredients. So it gives them the background and then it has the clinicals. And then on Instagram, it's the science of our serum. And on Facebook, it's the science of our serum. On Instagram stories, it's the science of our serum. So that, and then the, the idea actually in the fall is to add a blog to that so that we're always, you know, whatever way that you are interacting with us, and it could be one way or many ways that you're getting that, that same content. And, I, and that becomes the driver of email. It becomes, you know, what is it that we're trying to share? What is it that we want people to know? What have people told us that they want to hear about or they're curious about? Okay, so you mentioned the content. I think one of the best parts of your marketing is your product pages. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to go on and look with you. Just like the, the, the specific details. So like, let's go to, um, I'm on skin care and I'm on the Nourish Face Cream, which is currently sold out. Yeah, uh, it's going to be back it. soon. I promise. You, you, did a, you have a good thing though. Just a lot of people don't even do this. Like email me when this is back. Why would you not have your email right there to know who wants yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing, so we talked about offers. We don't do offers very often. But if something sells out, anybody who signs up for email gets an offer. Those, if you don't sign up, you don't get an offer. So, <laughs> so, when, so when this product is back in stock, I'll, I would get like a, a, a little bit of a discount on it or something? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because one, it's me feeling bad that it's out of stock. Um, but two, I, you know, this is a product, particularly this one, that's, this is our bestseller. It's our cult favorite. We have people who are like, can't live without it. Yeah. Well, it's like... So, it's probably like revenue protection. Like you, these are people who would have bought if the product was available. And so you, like, you don't want to miss that. No. And it's like, when you think about customers and where they are, like they already believe again, like they already believe they're in. I don't want them to forget. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's go through this product page. Like who, who writes all this copy? Uh, mostly me. Um, yeah, me, I have, um, this is pretty good. The pretty good copy for somebody with the MBA. I'm not, I'm just, (laughs) Hey, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, but I will tell you that some in many of its iterations, this specific one I wrote, but, um, 
I've gone to a copywriter. I have gone to a copywriter and I highly recommend people go to copywriters um, because they will, when you like, I know this product so well that if you gave me a half an hour, I wouldn't stop talking. And so it, uh, sometimes you need somebody else to distill it down, make your words clear, edit. I mean, this is so, I don't know. Okay. Like these words specifically, right? Like luxuriously rich cream, deeply soothes, moisturizes, and breathes new life to your skin. We scoured the ancient Indian text to define this Ayurvedic elixir for vibrant tone, ageless skin. Like that's copywriting. You don't use the, like, you know, you can paint a visual picture of that. Like this yeah. is really good. So, so what is your process for the copywriter? Like, do you try to write something to like, you, you write what you think, you, how you would describe this and then you give it to them and they kind of like tighten it up? Yes. So this one was an interesting one because we're looking specifically at this page and I actually still have it on my wall. Like I have about seven iterations of this still sitting on a flip chart on the wall. I can see it from here. Um, Like the one that I'm looking at says our cult favorite. Obviously that never made it. Um, But uh, it, so there's a few things like, so I had to go back to what is it that I'm trying to do? So I'm trying to tell people what it feels like. I'm trying to tell people what it's going to do, but I'm also trying to tell people why it's different. And everything in here is true. So I also, like we work with two Ayurvedic doctors in India on the formulations. And then, but it's all created by pharmaceutical chemists here in Toronto. And so it's like, how do I distill all of that and craft it into a way um, that I do? But what I will admit, and I'm going to tell this to anybody, and I don't think that this is bad. I... um, I will, as I'm, you know, looking through websites, I will jot down words, right? So if I see a word, like some of this, like the ancient Indian text, that's all me. But for example, I'll give you an example. Um, I would have never used the word masterpiece. So, um, but even when I am, like I was shopping for jewelry (laughs) um, recently, and I see a word like they'll say like crafted this masterpiece and I actually write it on a sticky note and I stick it to my wall and I'm like, that's really good. And, uh, and so because again, those are the, the shortcuts, right? You realize like, cause you also realize as a consumer, what sits with you. Like when the, people say that, I'm like, Oh, add to cart. Right. So it's, it's understanding that language. Yeah. You're a consumer. Like what are the things that got you to get you to buy? And also I just like, I love what you mentioned about how you kind of keep like this swipe file as stuff. Like so much of marketing is just finding inspiration. Like it totally is. My go, go find desk a is a mask. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like there's sticky notes everywhere. And uh, I, I just find it really helpful because then it's like, oh, I love that sticky note. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then how, okay, now you have like this, you did a clinical study. Yes. Was that... A big deal? Was that like, hey, this is, I think there's going to be a big boost in, in, in sales if we can do this clinical study. Like, I'm guessing you didn't do that right out of the gate. I didn't do it right out of the gate. Um, I did it, I did it because for two reasons. It was, again, more marketing and brand than e-com or anything like that. It was, I very much believe this. So I have to t- talk to you for a second about Ayurveda, but Ayurveda is this ancient science from India. So if anybody's ever had like a turmeric latte, which is, you know, most recently been very popularized, um, that same science that gives you this turmeric latte gives you these beauty rituals. Like turmeric latte, 
you know, in my growing up was not called turmeric latte. It was like, when my mom was like, you don't seem to be feeling well. Here, drink this. And, and so this is something I was raised in. I intuitively believed in, but coming from a pharma background, I was like, why, why haven't we all made the shift to clean beauty? Because at the end of the day, we buy beauty products because we want them to work, right? Like um, we want to see results. We want to know that they're going to work. And that I think is the, the, the ultimate reason. And I think for a lot of people, clean beauty is second. For some it's first, but for, for others it's second. And so I wanted to be able to say to people, hey, you've got your conventional product, whatever it is, you know, my, you know, this cream can do what your conventional cream does and it doesn't have any of the nasties. And I also very much believe in Ayurveda. So I wanted to tell people like these ingredients you may or may not have heard of, but hey, they're going to deliver results. And they're not called like, you know, tri-peptase, youth restoring, ABCD or whatever, you know, cool name some brands come up with. They're actually the, the plant names. And so I did it because I wanted to show the science of Ayurveda. I wanted to give people the confidence that they could follow their intuition and choose this brand. And so that's why I did it. And it became part of obviously our message online, but it's our message everywhere I go. Like the science of Ayurveda, if we're in retail, if I'm on the shopping channel, everywhere. It also, it, it makes it believable. Like if you just made that claim without it, you, you now have backed it up. And so you, you answer the first question in someone's mind, which is like, mm-hmm. oh, prove it. Okay, well, mm-hmm. here's some facts to, to, to back that up. Yeah, um, Okay, I wanna, we're, we're gonna wrap up. And, and for the wrap up, I wanna talk about the best campaign that you ever ran. I don't know if you have one on the top of your head, so I'll give you a minute. So we've had a couple that I would say have gone well, but they're probably things that you would expect, right? Like influencer or, you know, Black Friday. But one that I'll share because I think it's a little different and so maybe would be interesting is, uh, so I come from this world of clean beauty, you know, clean beauty is now sold at Sephora and Ulta, but it's still in its early days. So there is this... uh, I don't know what you want to call it, community. Uh, it was started by this one brand and it's called A Night for Green Beauty. And in the early days before my time, this brand founder would um, host an event, I think in New York and in LA. And she had like the OG of clean beauty brands, like the OGs, I should say, of clean beauty brands all in this room. And they would have a night together where like they would all um, have people come in. It was like a pop-up, right? Like people could come in and shop and they would all share it, blah, blah, blah. So after I think, so I wasn't involved back then. It was before my time. And then they paused it. And then she came back with it two years later, but turned it into an online event. And in turning it into an online event, you still have to apply to be part of her event. So, you know, I I don't know how she, she polices it. Like if you didn't get in and you said you were part of a night for Green Beauty, I don't know how anyone, you know, I don't know how that's governed. But basically the idea was, you know, all of these brands, we coalesce around the idea that we believe that clean beauty is the future. We believe it's, you know, the healthiest option that we also believe is going to give you your best results. So I apply, I join a night for green beauty. It's brands that are new. It's brands that are very well established. We all agree. She picks the day. And everybody leading up for, up to it is sharing on social. A Night for Green Beauty is on Thursday. A Night for Green Beauty is on social. So now brands that have 100,000 followers to my 15,000 followers are saying, A Night for Green Beauty is on Thursday. And here are all the brands that are participating. And then she created something that was like, here are all the brands that are participating. Start your wish list. Like, what have you wanted to try from some of these brands? Because FYI, everybody's having a sale on Thursday. 
all of us are having a sale. We're not having the same sale, but we're all having a sale. And on Thursday, you're, I'm going to blast out to my... Uh, so she blasts to her people. Here are the 20 brands that are participating and here's what their sales are. And then even though we, we obviously focused on our own sale, we also said like, here are the other brands that are involved. Check them out. Like this is the best of, of Green Beauty. And so we had great results from that. But what I would say was it was a really neat way, I think, to embed us into this green, clean beauty community. But also people who had maybe heard of Sahajan, but hadn't bought it were kind of like, huh, okay, well, all of these other brands have given you a little note of credibility. Now I'm going to try or now I know it's on sale. So I'm going to get, I'm going to buy like your Nourish face cream and I'm going to buy the cleanser from somebody else and I'm going to buy somebody else's lip balm. I'm going to buy them all in this one day because they're all on sale. But you're also, you're kind of all lending each other support. And the reason I, I, I use that as an example is, you know, we always think of very traditional things like having sales, having influencers, you know, marketing campaigns. But this is, I think, a, a very easy, not easy, I shouldn't say, but a, what I'll call it like a cheap and cheerful way of building your community, building your awareness and increasing revenue. Because all of a sudden, like-minded brands are, we're all, it's, I can't think of the phrase, but what is it? Like all tides rise the ship or <laughs> like, don't hold it against me that I don't know that phrase. But, you know, we all inevitably lift each other up and lift up our sails, but we're also all throwing each other like a, a nod of, of confidence. And I, I think that that's, something as we think of, again, in the startup world, that kind of stuff makes a big difference. I love that. Especially like if you can, as an earlier brand, find a way to get yourself associated with all of those other brands in your mm-hmm. space. That's another, another piece in your, in your brand playbook, which I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lisa, this, this was awesome. Um, I appreciate you, you coming on. We've got a lot of good stuff uh, about, about ads, email, copy, brand building, bundles, product pages. We, we got a lot. This is a good, the, the ROI on this free podcast for people that listen <laughs> will be very high. You did an awesome job. Uh, before you. we wrap up, will you just uh, uh, plug your stuff where people can find you and everything? Yeah. So um, Sahajan, uh, Sahajan.com is where you can easily find us. You can also find us at you know your local retailers, depending on where you are, Credo Beauty, Detox Market. If you're in Canada, the Bay, tons of places, the shopping channel. Um, but I would say come to our site because it, we, Dave's told you that it's amazing. But um, come because I believe it's the best of clean beauty. You know, we are clinically proven. We're based on the ancient science of Ayurveda. Uh, you know, I really stand behind this. I genuinely believe that Ayurveda is the gateway to beauty and wellness. And so come check us out. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this, if you like Lisa, leave us a review and say, Hey, and, uh, otherwise we'll see you on the next episode. Bye Lisa. I'll talk to you later. Hi everyone. Lisa here, the founder of Sahajan. I hope you enjoyed the podcast through December 31st, 2020. We're offering 15% off for all listeners of the e-commerce marketing show. Just use the code privy 15 at checkout. That's privy 15 P R I V Y 15 at checkout. And do check us out at any time at www.sahajan.com. That's spelled S-A-H-A-J-A-N.com. I loved participating in this show and wish you a wonderful rest of the year. Bye. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. If you like the show, 
like the content, especially if you're in e-commerce, have a Shopify store, and you're selling things online, Shopify, big commerce, whatever you're using out there to grow your business, I want you to go to privy.com slash join. That's one place to get all of the content that we're putting out here, including the podcast, masterclass Q&As with experts, website teardowns, email teardowns, and all of the content from our blog twice a week. Go check it out, privy.com slash join.